in this 29th session of Look at the Book on Romans 8. It may be surprising that as the greatest chapter in the Bible comes to its grand crescendo, we meet some of the most terrible descriptions of what happens to Christian Christians in all the Bible. So, Father, as we look at the glories of what it is to be a Christian, don't let us be daunted or in any way turn away from you because of how terrible things can be for Christians as well. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. He comes now to ask his final rhetorical question, trying to get us to what shall we say to these things and draw us in? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And remember that he has just said in verse 34, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. So right now in heaven, Christ is with his omnipotent love interceding with the Father. And so the question he's asking, can anything separate us? Can anything, can anything separate us from this love? He's not asking, will Christ stop loving us? He's already established in verses 28 to 34 that the Father and the Son are totally committed to the elect. This is a question of, as the Father, as, as the Son is loving us in heaven, interceding for us, could something on earth break his ability to save us with that love? Could something come between the love of Christ and us so that it became ineffectual? And before he answers the question, he gives some examples so we know the kind of thing he's talking about. He says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, that's the sort of thing he's asking, could any of these be evidence that we've been cut off from the love of Christ? And, and notice, just to put a point on this, famine is in here and nakedness are in here, which says, okay, Christians could experience misery and death from famine, and Christians could experience the shame, like Jesus did, and horror of, of, of nakedness, either owing to persecution or poverty, which, which raises the question of Matthew 6, 30 to 33, and the promises of Jesus concerning food and clothing. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? That's the opposite of nakedness, and this is the opposite of famine. For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, what do we make of that? All these things, all, all these things, namely what you wear and what you eat, are going to be added to you. And Paul seems to say that famine, which is the removal of food, and nakedness, which is the removal of clothing, could be the experience of Christians. 
My answer to that is that this is absolutely true. He will add these things. He will add all these things, but he will add them according to his judgment of what we need to do his will and glorify him. The same as we saw in Romans 8:32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not will will he not with him freely give us all things? Yes, he will. All things that we need to glorify him. All things that we need to do his will. Jesus in other places, and Paul here, are clearly teaching that a Christian can experience famine and can experience nakedness. And, and the reason I say that is because if anybody tries to make verse 37 only mean a hypothesis that uh, this sort of thing happens to people, but it won't happen to Christians because God won't let those kinds of things come between Christ and them. Verse 36 devastates that possibility. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. This is not, this is not hypothetical. This is real. And one other thing on verse 35, he starts with who, not what. All these are what's, aren't they? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sore. Those are what? And he said, who? Which makes me ask the question, who's behind all these? Who's behind tribulation? Who's behind distress? Now, some of these are really specific, like persecution is pretty specific, and humans do that, don't they? Famine is specific, but that comes from God, ultimately, it's really clear in the Bible that God sends the rain on the just and the unjust, and God causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good. Jesus said that in Matthew 5, uh, 45. Nakedness, danger, sword, behind that could be the devil. Look at Revelation 2.10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer, for behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. So persecution comes from the devil. That you may be tested for 10 days, you will have tribulation, be faithful unto death. So sometimes that imprisonment results in death and the devil is behind it. And so when he says, who will separate you? Who will separate you? He's not dreaming. There is a who behind all of these. It's either man or ultimately God or ultimately, or, or Satan, never ultimately Satan. So Satan can kill us. So when he turns now to say, this really happens, why did, why did he choose to quote Psalm, Psalm 44, 22? For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Why did he choose to quote that Psalm? Here's the answer as I see it. Look at the context. 
if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. In other words, we're innocent. We have not turned away from God. This is true. They had not turned away from God. They were truly following God. Yet, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Jesus was an innocent sufferer. Christians often suffer, even though they have not departed from God. So that's why he chose it here. This is not hypothetical. This really happens to Christians, and they're not being punished when tribulation comes or distress comes or they find themselves in famine or nakedness or danger or sword. These are people who say, I have not turned away from God. I love God. And we often ask, why, Lord? And this is telling us, as it is written, this will happen to you. It really happens. And now he gives the answer, does anything separate us from the love of Christ? No, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him. So have, have we been separated from the love of Christ? No, it is through Christ that in all these things we are conquering. He hasn't left us. We're not cut off from his love. These things are manifesting his love. Why do I say that? Well, consider, what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? The Greek word is like super conqueror, hyper conqueror. Well, if you're a conqueror, your enemies are dead at your feet. And if you're more than a conqueror, your enemies get up from the dead and serve you. In other words, the point here is saying they don't, God doesn't just uh, protect you from all these adversaries. He makes them serve you, which is another way of singing, saying Romans 8, 28, all things, all things are working. They may not like it. And the devil may be absolutely maddened by the fact that his effort to destroy us is being turned by God to work for our good. But that is, in fact, what is true. And therefore, we haven't been separated from the love of Christ. These things are expressions of the love of Christ in the sovereign hand of God to make us more like Jesus and bring us with great reward to glory.